The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. This is the commentary for Season 2, Episode 11, which is also known as Episode 23. And the title of this episode is Inside Out. And the writers are Seth Adam Schur and Alicia Lane Matheson, who are with me today in the studio. Hi. Hello. The studio far down in the director mind. That's right. <laughs> so the two of you collaborated on this. Tell us about that. What was that like? Well, it, it, it was sort of a collaboration by... I, I unfortunately ran out of, of schedule time and energy and all, all that whatnot to finish the episode. So I asked Alicia if she would be able to write the other parts of the episode that I couldn't get to, and she graciously stepped up to the plate. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> well, it was, it was nice because, you know, since Teresa had already written one episode this season, I was only going to write the one other one. So it was kind of nice that we got to collaborate for this one, so I got to write uh, Participate in two scripts this season. <laughs> And I thought so it was a great. Believe, oh, sorry. I thought it was a great script. I was really excited when I read it. Um, I thought it moved along tremendously fast and revealed a lot of tremendous information. So I was really excited to work on it. Um, I also it wanted. Sounds to, really good too. Oh, thank you. I wanted to say that the music that I used in the previously section there that we just heard was "Snap Crackle Bop" by David Alexander <laughs> McDonald. I love and his name. Yes, and I thought it was a little bit more, lo- um, sorry, a little bit more rock, a little less techno than we've heard before, and somehow I thought that was right for this episode, so I, I used it there. <laughs> it worked solidly, old chap. So now we are in the ruins of SOL. Um, Pete Milan as Tommy and M. Sierra Garcia as Major are breaking into the soul shop. I like the, the background uh, environment you had here about when they were breaking in. It really sounded like they were like a side door in, in the Kingry, just like, you know, with the traffic in the distance, it, like really kind of clandestine, kind of breaking in with a crowbar. And it, it, it was really, it really sounded, <laughs> it gave the illusion of, of space there that I, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I had a couple good um, squeaky nails coming out of a board um, sound, which is kind of what I wanted. But I only had a couple sounds, and if I used if I used it too much, it would sound too repetitious. So I also found some some wood getting smushed sound, or you know, uh, as much as wood can smush. Yeah, prying apart, and and so I put that in where Tommy starts uh, complaining about the splinters that he's got. I thought that was good because it sounded like wood coming apart. And now we've got we've got Mike Winters as the computer voice. Back once again is the the, the, the bright computer voice. Yes, doing a so lovely job. Talk about the scene. Since you were the one who wrote this scene. Um, 
I wrote the scene basically. Uh, I, I took the the, the portions, um, the the outline for the the season, if I remember correctly, says that they they break into Seoul to find some information. They don't find exactly what they're looking for, but find evidence of the the last um, of what um, Robert had done. Robert in in Betty's body. Or a Betty, Betty Bird, Betty, Betty, uh, Betty and Robert's body had done um, with with Debbie, um, and and just that was pretty much it. It was all kind of bare bones, and so I wanted to give knowing uh, how M, how how sometimes very very uh, snarky or playful M can be. I wanted to give a scene that would really kind of flesh out Major, because we haven't really done a lot of stuff with with her character. Um. And so I just I, I, I just started writing basically off the top of my head, um, and that was most of their banter. It's just nothing, nothing about anything, um, as, as people usually do, um, until they find the, the records that 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 they have, um, and that's when things really start start up. And then the the phone call originally when when. Arkell receives the phone call. I, I remember it was a bit different originally. Um, Certainly didn't have evidence of my death, um, which was when I heard about. Uh, unfortunately, also um, after I had to, to give up writing on this episode, I couldn't make the, the the story council meeting where you all debated. You all took the episode apart and rebuilt it, so I didn't hear about my death until afterwards. And I told it. I'm like, hey, Jeff, you just missed the meeting. Guess what? We killed you off. And I just loved it. I was like, great, I need more death scenes, damn it. I haven't been able to, you know, I, I, I think so far total uh, uh, times I've died on radio shows has been like uh, twice now. Three times now. That's it. That's it. I need more good death scenes. Because most of the other, both of the other ones were off camera. Well, I wanted to mention that the, the reason why we had to kill Seth off is because Melody was supposed to be a male worker as well. Um, but Neil made her female. So originally, Belly was supposed to die there. Right. But um, it didn't fit the MO, so we had to change it to the only other logical male, which was that. <laughs> which was fun, fine with me. He's fine for now. Very good. And that's how that, that uh, um, and you rewrote parts of this scene um, um, to include that, that, the particulars of that, and I, I think you sharpened the scene. Oh, thank you. From my I mean, it was really just a, front, a first draft that I had done. Well, I wanted to mention that it was a great first draft because the other script that I wrote, not only was it my first script, it was so hard to write, but this script was so easy to write, and I, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you wrote a really solid first draft of this game. Everything else just flowed. The, the thing is, I don't remember if I actually wrote any more of this scene, any more no. after this scene. I think that it cut, it cut off pretty... Did I did I end it pretty much here, and then... Yeah, it, you just had a first, it your, first scene down. Lock, stock, and barrel. Here you go! Tome and all. All 672 pages of <laughs> I want to mention, uh, throw out another thank you to David Alexander McDonald for the music. Um, in the first scene that we just 
listened to. Uh, the music that I used was bass case, and that's bass the, like the musical instrument, not like the part of that something that something stands on. If you know what I mean, and if you don't, don't worry about it. Um, and now we're in the next scene, the second scene. We've got uh, M. Sierra Garcia again as Major. She's got a big role in this episode. Lexi Rawl as Debbie, and Ara Pelodi as Seth's replacement at the bar, Mac. Mac. Mac the bartender. Mac the bartender. And the music, which isn't playing yet, but which will come in in a little bit, is called Populux Walks the Dog. <laughs> Great. Now, it's Debbie, but it's not actually Debbie. It's, it's Betty in Debbie's body, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah, kind of trying to keep track of where people are at any given time in this show is, is really hard. <laughs> Damn you, Saul. Damn you, Saul! <laughs> I, I think she see. brings out a great performance as Debbie. Debbie yeah. V. Debbie Debbie V. Debbie Betty. Betty V. Betty in Debbie being oh. drunk. Yeah. And yeah. was awesome. And right around here, she she like grunts for more alcohol as if she's beyond words. It's just beyond words. It's just. <laughs> uh. I like that. I can't remember the things I wanted to Very play. visual, that, with the, with the glasses. Is that a good thing? The, the grunt, too. You know, I could see it taking place at the bar right down the street. Yeah. That <laughs> hole in the wall bar that everyone seems to want to visit and get drunk in. And Ara Pelodi also gave a really nice ad lib as she left the scene. I don't know if uh, people heard that, but... Uh, I did. I loved it. <laughs> Turn my face into oh, I love this line. You, you turn my face into cheese. <laughs> I can't remember who wrote that script where Major right. said, I'll, right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll turn your face into cheese. I'll grate your face on the side of like cheese. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, poor Major gets all the heavy lifting duties. <laughs> And so, so, now we have a scene between Alicia Lane Matheson as Gray and somebody else as Hooks. I guess that would be me. Some stranger. Yeah. Sounds really hyper, really agitated about something. Yeah, Hooks is fidgeting in his chair throughout this entire scene. I hope it's not too distracting, but... Look, no, I, I didn't I think it was overt at all. I try to put, um, like in the... I was wondering if they were going to like give him some Pepto-Bismol or something. Please. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely needs something. Um, in the next scene, I think I brought the um, sound effects forward, where, where it's um, Tithia... Um, rifling through proc study and I sort of brought the sound effects forward which I think I do when it seems like the sound effects are the main action of the scene or, or the sound effects indicate the main action and other than that I try to sort of put the sound effects 
um, a little bit more in the background and let the dialogue be in the foreground, if you know what I'm saying. Um, anyway, that, that seems to be sort of maybe one of the ideas that I'm kind of following as I figure out how to put these things together. Uh, now, I wanted to mention that the scene with Tithia was originally supposed to be one scene, just all together, but I didn't want to have Hook tell the entire history of the Kingery from season one up to now. So I'm like, okay, we don't need that break here. I mean, no, shows usually only do that if they have, don't have money to do you know, a bigger episode. I don't think we have that problem. <laughs> don't need to the, the recap visit every single action scene in the last two years type of type of episode. You could have just had him. You could have just had him pull out his iPod and go here, listen to this, and then we'd run all the previous, please. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. And that's why the Tithia scene is split in two and set in the middle of the Hudson Gracie. Which was well done. Yeah, and I thought that. Um, Breaking up both the um, the hooks and gray and the um, Tithia in Prox study scene, breaking up both of those r really help the help propel the story along because you don't spend so much time in either, in any of those scenes and it uh, allows you to move very quickly through all the different plot plot points. That's oh, how it I'll seems to me. I'm hoping this will be the last thing that I do on my own phone. I'm going to get a blue ball microphone. So, Perry, the trouble you're having with my line. Alicia, are you still there? I was saying I was hoping that this will eventually be the last thing that I do on my old microphone is this commentary because I'm getting a new one. So the problem that you're hearing right now with my lines in this gray hook scene will hopefully not happen anymore because I'm getting a new microphone. Um, let's see. I should mention that uh, Catherine Pride plays Tithia and um, should have mentioned that while she was maybe in your ears. Um, and in the scene where she's rifling through stuff in Proc Study, the background music is industrial skating, again by David Alexander McDonald. <laughs> now we're back in Madeline Gray's office. Alicia, I really like the rising inflection when you say, you mean it was a lie? <laughs> you, you gave a lot of great performances of that, and I really liked them. And I hope I chose a good one. Oh, yeah. I think it's going great. And then we had this thing about where you say uh, that Shepherd's congregation is the largest this side of Sector 88G. And, and I asked you to try that using some different words, like... Uh, um, the, this is the largest in this sector of 88G or, or I don't know, whatever, something else. And, and you provided, you diligently tried to give me the additional takes that I wanted, but uh, it was clear that from all the times you, you messed up the lines whenever you said words that you hadn't written that you didn't really, it was just very difficult. So I went with what the script said, the words that you wrote. <laughs> Because it just wasn't. Good try, though. Yeah. Good try. Good try. E for effort. <laughs> and now we're hearing Melissa Johnson as, uh, what's her name? What's her character's name? Prosty Toot One. Um, 
Elderly church-going woman, I think. Fra- no, Francesca and MJ Cogburn as Isabella. And oh, yeah. um, Jovian, Jovian Lab is Adam Shepard. And they're back in bed together, just like in the last episode. And the, oh, yeah. Ah, for continuity. And the music is cranked by David Alexander McDonald. How appropriate. And they seem to be having a lot of fun. Cranking. Lots of cranking. Yes, um, MJ advised that we should burn all the, the, the surviving recordings of this. Uh, you know, we're just going to put it on the Internet. It's not like it's going to, you know, people are going to yeah, know like, about it or anything. Yeah. She's, she's uh, doubly uh, amused and horribly embarrassed. Because uh, not that many English school teachers, like you know, high school or junior high school grade English school teachers, get to play prostitutes on a internet-based radio show. So you know. Well, uh, I wanted to mention that whatever Shepherds is saying, it comes right from the Bible. I do a lot of research looking for just the right Bible passages for him to steal. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, if that's what passes for wooing women in biblical times, then glad I live now. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like the comparison of the nose to the Tower of something Tower of Lebanon? Yeah. yeah. You think that means she has a, a large nose? A, or that your hair is a flock of goats? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I like living in this sector. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I like the the pairing of uh, Shepherd says you know they say who is it and he says it's those who would stand against God and then Isabella comes over and goes hmm looks like the police and so I thought that was pretty funny uh, and then MJ gave us a nice ad lib to close the scene so thank you MJ good job. Okay, now we're in the church sanctuary, and I have a lot of people to thank for their marvelous performances. Yay. Starting with Kristen Bays as the elderly woman, William Fisher as the elderly man, uh, also known as Bill Fisher sometimes, I guess. Uh, and crowd members, and this is approximately in the order that I received their lines, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, Marley Norton, Colin D. Snow, Jovian Lab. Bill Fisher, Alicia Lane Matheson, uh, Catherine Pride, Paul Lavelle, Kim Giannopoulos, John Howard, Jared Page, Mark Stephen Gutman, Kristen Bays, Lexi Rawl, and Ara Pelodi. I think I had the most fun with improv when engaging the handing out of guns. <laughs> Do you remember any of the improvs that you made in that? Oh, I think my favorite one was, can I have one of those? It's, it's got the buttons and it's all shiny. I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> Something to that effect. I can always hear you saying, uh, yelling out, preacher, preacher, we love you. Love you, and and also I I can't really quite hear it, but I can hear the the hissing when 
there's one line where you hiss that's in there somewhere where, where everybody's going shush, shush. And you're saying, will you please put your cell phone on silent, please? <laughs> I can't really hear the words, but I can hear the just sort of hissing sound. Um, I tried to make sure that everybody who contributed lines got at least one moment where you can really hear that person. And sometimes it's uh, one person in the left channel and somebody else in the right channel. But So if you isolate them, you can actually hear the person. And I also tried to go heaviest on people who aren't in the regular cast and who gave good performances and who had fun stuff to say. And I asked for a lot of shushing, and um, then Marley Norton gave a nice little improv saying, don't shush me. And so I had to use that in the middle of all the other, uh, all the other people going, shh. I thought that was that was great. There's always going to be one at least. Yeah, right. And then Marley also gave a nice uh, improv about uh, was talking about Shepherd, which I tried to isolate. Where she goes, I thought he'd be taller. <laughs> and then most of, course, of the people he sounds taller on the radio. Yeah, well, of course he does. And most people get really upset when Nep- when Shepherd shows him the gun. But there's a couple who stay happy and excited the entire time. And I think I picked uh, Cat Pride and Jared Page are two of the folks who just stay happy all the time. So what everybody else is going, oh, my God, oh, no. Those two are going, yeah, wahoo, yeah. I I remember that distinct (laughs) woo-hoo. Revelation. Oh my god! From like the what third episode of the series? Mm-hmm. Something what like Croc that. was doing. It, it all comes back to Croc. Yeah. Okay, enough. So we have uh, a reprise of industrial skating as the background sound in this scene, and. I thought Kat's performance, performance, figuring things out, was, I just thought, really, really good. And now we have Jane Parrish and Andrew Eckhart as Regina and Roberts. And there's lots of Ara Pelodi in the background for this scene. And and this is... uh, this is uh, Debbie in Robert's body. Right, right. Yes, that's right, right. This is before. Yes, okay. Keeping track hard. Debbie. I think Jane Parrish has come a long way in the last uh, what two years, two plus years that she's been doing Regina. Well, and and the characters uh, come a long way too. I mean, Jane has more fun stuff to do. Yeah, it seemed like when the show started out, uh, Regina was often used uh, just to be somebody to talk to when you needed to convey information or something. She was she was sort of Shepherd's foil, and now her character has more to do. It is uh, more direct involvement now, and I think yeah. that's really good. Yeah, right. And of course, it's it's great to hear another Voice Factory alum uh, person, you know, being involved. 
That's right. Seth and I uh, and Jane all went to the same voice acting classes, or many of the same voice acting classes here in San Francisco, and we met up there. And the rest, as they say, was history, like the school is, unfortunately. The rest is history, and we are still writing it. I wanted to say I really liked uh, uh, Andrew talking behind his duct tape gag improv. Yes. <laughs> yes, didn't he do good at that? Yes, he did. I thought that was lovely. And now we're back at SOL, just like where we started. And M. Sierra Garcia, thank you very much. Um, M. gave us a lot of, gave me a lot of her own foley in this scene. She was typing away on her computer keyboard, but she'd forgotten what the password was, so she gave me a whole bunch of keystrokes. So I had to go in and uh, fix that a little bit. But other than that, it was really wonderful and very helpful. And the music here, again, by David Alexander hey, McDonald, is Iron Horse Super Horse Extended Remix. And and Lexi Nothing in here, just I love her. Her, her just you know, she's just she's done. You know, as go, as Robert, she's just okay. Go put me back. Just go get it away. over with. She's like oh, resigned. It's just beautiful performance. And she. Uh, so nice. Go ahead, Alicia. Just, uh, I just wanted to mention real quick that fix me. that line right there is Pick Me Off and Fix Me is a a nod to Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. It's one of my favorite lines. Fix me. Just, just switch me off and fix me. Like, like I'm a broken computer. <laughs> ah. And that sound of the computer that, that boot up there. Very nice. Yeah. And I also wanted to say that I like the repetition of go away. She says, go away, go away, just like she did in the bar in yeah. an earlier scene. And I really like that. Uh, will any of these people so, be the same ever again? If I have to tune in next time. Yeah, not if the writing council has anything to do with it, they won't. <laughs> um, I hear the theme music. It's time for us to go. Seth, any last words? Um, I believe, if I'm not correct, but I believe, thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was my last uh, writing duty for the show, The King Ring. Um, and I just wanted to um, pass a nod to Jeffrey and... And, and Susan, at the original five, six people who who were doing the show, who brought me in, thank you very much for this this incredible opportunity. And um, I think it to be in good hands with Alicia and Jeffrey and Susan and everybody who's working on it now. But thank you again for the opportunity, and that's all. Yeah. And you got at least one shiny big pendy out of it. Um, yeah. And Alicia? Yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you, Seth, for, for being with the show. And I'm looking forward to working some more with Terry. Terry, I believe, is picking your spot on the writing council. That's right. That's right. Yay. Yay. Yay, Terry. All right. Well, it's time to go. I want to say thank you and kudos to everybody who contributed to this episode. 
and Remote we'll see you next month. Next month. Thanks for listening. Oh. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.